And now, the Awkward High Five Podcast presents Devin's Things I Like. I'm Devin, and this is what I really like. You want to know what I like? Hoods. Some people might call me a hood guy. I like all types of hoods. I like the hood of my sweatshirt. I like the hood over my stove. I like the hood with all the liquor stores that I'm afraid to drive through at night. I like the hood of my Ford Crown Victoria that I had sex on outside of a house party in 1998. But even though I like every type of hood, there's only one hood that I love. And that's your hood, baby girl. Hoods, you're what I like. with this it's so hard to sing with another song yeah it's impossible you can't even think of another song she was born in a bottle rocket in 1929 i did it i did it Yeah, to think of another song or to sing another song while a song's playing, that's the ultimate brain monkey fight. I think I just did it, though. You did. I think I just mashed super up. super brain power. Yeah. Um, I think I did it. Sorry. You want to say welcome? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. I was just looking at our recording here, which is, was, isn't tracking the right way, and it was freaking me out, but I think we're good. Um, yes, welcome to the Awkward High Five Podcast. My name is Devin. And I'm Richie. And Richard, I am excited. You are? Yeah. You want to know why? Yeah. Today's my day, man. What day is that? Today's the day that I look forward to every day. Every day of the year, I wake up and I look at my calendar. And if it's not this day, I get upset. What day is today? Today is, I'm just going to go out there and say it. Today is the most important day in the United States of America that happened on the 11th of a month. Uh, I can't think of it. Can I give you a hint? Well, today's March 11th. There's no, there's nothing else that has ever happened on the 11th of a month that it's more important than today. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> we hang on. What? 311? <laughs> today's 311 day, my friend. And everybody out there knows how much I love 311. That's right. I mean, I am just a hardcore 311 fan. I love everything about them. Um, so I just want to say, I just want to say to all my 311 brothers out there, everyone that's in the 311 crew, happy 311 day. We finally made it, guys. We finally made it. 311 day. Because sometimes I wonder to myself, what color is my energy? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I, I would not have known that if it wasn't for the genius musicians. You wouldn't have known that about auras. I wouldn't have known about auras. Um, I definitely would have known. Wouldn't have known about. You know what I mean? Like, I just I, I woke up today. I looked at my calendar. I saw that it was three eleven, uh, March eleventh, the most important day that's ever happened on In the eleventh of a month ever. And um, and I just I looked at I looked at my friends and my family. I went on Facebook and I saw my three eleven brothers and I said to them all. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't seem like you're too excited about 311 Day. Oh, I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I just need a reason to randomly congratulate somebody because what else would 311 Day be without randomly congratulating somebody about nothing? I just feel like 311 Day is just a day for 311 freaks like myself, <laughs> you know, like uh, people that, that subscribe to the 311 fan club, 311ers, like they like to say. Um, just just get to be ourselves for one day you okay. know what i mean like like we spend every other day of the year just just hiding in the shadows waiting for our one day and today is our day to celebrate so i just one more time i just want to say to everybody on the most important day that's ever happened on the 11th of a month in, in the united states of america to all my 311 brothers i'd like to say you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, would you, who would you like would to you? see come out of retirement more? Would you like to see 311 or would you like to see the band that plays You're My Butterfly, Sugar, Baby? Because they're pretty <laughs> much the same band. <laughs> Are you making fun of 311 on 311 Day? I'm not making fun. Because I will have none of it. I'm not, I'm not making fun. I'm not hating. Yes, I'm not hating. I am congratulating them on a, such a fruitful career. Don't hate, congratulate. Exactly. So, would you like to see 311 or their brethren in music that sings "You're My Butterfly, Sugar Baby"? And I will think of the name of that band. You just got to give me a second. And Sugar Ray? No. Oh, I love Sugar Ray. I won't even. They're not even close. Isn't Sugar Ray? Uh, I love Sugar. Ray. Well, okay, if you love him so much, sing me a song. Oh, which one would you like? Would you like? There's more than one Sugar Ray. There's song. a bunch of them. There's every morning. There's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's four-post bed. Or there's your favorite. Run away, run away. Don't you like that song? <laughs> That's <laughs> that is Sugar Ray, my friend. I you you know yeah, I do like That's that song. Sugar Ray and. Uh, also, of course, everybody knows, I just want to fly. One of their, yeah, more well-known, but less, you know, musically interesting pieces. Um, Damn, you are a Sugar Ray kind of star. I like Sugar Ray. You like Sugar Ray as much as I like 311. Exactly. You know, I, cause I do consider myself the biggest 311 fan that there is out there. You know? I know you do. So I know you, I know you celebrate their entire album collection. You were wondering why this giant banner when you walked into the awkward <laughs> high five studios was up that said three eleven with uh with a bunch of hearts and, and uh, cupcakes yeah. and stuff. March eleventh was circled on your calendar. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what's the holiday? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's yeah. there's no other eleventh ever in the history of the United States that's more important than three eleven. That's true. You know, you know what I'm saying? I just yeah, I can't even uh, express how much I'm I love. 311 day. Can't hate. There's only one word that I want to say to all my 311 brethren. What's that? Congratulations. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the name of that band, but uh, I, I haven't heard that song in forever. This. I keep thinking Iron Butterfly, but it's not. No, that's fucking In the God of the <laughs> yeah. Beat, oh baby. Yeah. Which, by the way, when I was a child, I was a very young child. I was on the back porch of my grandparents' house. And uh, one of my uncles was there, and he told me that the lead singer of Iron Butterfly um, invented time travel, had all the patents for it, and all the blueprints for it, so the government killed him. Yeah, I would say that's more of an LSD thing. Uh, I don't know. That's what I was told by my uncle when I was like five years old, so I believe that's pretty it. pretty scary. And you know what? I, I've come I've come 30 years since then, and I, we have the uh, amazing resource that is the internet, and I never once tried to check it. But... If at I'm a party, interested in that. if a party, someone asks me or brings up Iron Butterfly or Anagata Vita, I will say, 
do you know that the lead singer invented time travel and thus got murdered by the government? And then someone would say, Congratulations! <laughs> yes, congratulations, yeah. lead singer of Anagata DeVita. So it, I guess he's dead. Uh, I don't know. He might still be alive. I, he might have a fucking a family and live in fucking Ohio. I don't I have no That's idea. That's like that dude. I can't think of his name right now. Pretty basic white man's name. But he invented... Uh, Tom. I've, it's probably Tom. Bruce. Or John. But back Dave. in the 80s or early 90s, he invented the motor that runs on water. And it was totally legit. You could look it up. Invented the water running car. And he was selling his idea to the government for an undisclosed amount of money. Probably something he can live off of with his family for the rest of his life. And they went, which is, this is where I find it odd from the rip. Because they went to Cracker Barrel <laughs> to celebrate this man's closing this deal for probably what is millions or billions of dollars. Isn't it weird? But they go to Cracker Barrel. People do it. Not Steak and Ale. Not the Sizzler. Yeah. They go to Cracker Barrel. Right. So they go to Cracker Barrel. Which Maybe they wanted to buy some Adirondack <laughs> chairs. Homeboys should have been smelling suspect from the rip. <laughs> so they take up the Cracker Barrel. And then the second suspect thing is they cheers the signing of the whatever the contractor or, or whatever is going to give him the money for his idea of the water running motor they cheers with cranberry juice mm -hmm. odd right there from the jump weird and he's there with his brother Oh, from the jump now i thought you're going for a third from, from the rip from the rip <laughs> you know the rip the jump street so the gecko the get so after he cheers with his cranberry juice he runs out to the parking lot and, in River Phoenix fashion, starts smacking his head against the asphalt saying, I've been poisoned, I've been poisoned. Uh -huh. And the autopsy says that he dies of a brain aneurysm. Right. They fucking poisoned him and killed him. Of course. Him. Yeah. Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah, because they, because he, he, if he had that actual engine, he would be fucking with oil. And that's that we have fought. Dude. He's. We were like in the middle of Gulf Stream or go, go, whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Gulf Stream. Gulf, Operation Gulf Stream. We're in the middle of Operation Soda Stream. <laughs> um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, like fucking. You think one dude trying to fuck with oil, they're not going to kill? We've had wars where we've killed thousands and thousands and thousands know, of people. But like, just to off somebody at Cracker Barrel. That's our government with cranberry poison. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's uh, that's Say, the way they do it. You know, fuck your life, fuck your family. You invent a water running car, you're dead. Well, why does that surprise you that the government will do that? We're willing it to surprise me. It just scares me. We're willing to. But what scares you more? The fact that the government would kill one guy in the United States or the fact that we're OK with going overseas and wiping and trying to wipe a whole civilization off the map for their oil? It, it, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, all that because war is war. And I, it's, it's almost like an unspoken, accepted thing that we do. And we have been for years. So if the if our country gets into a war and even if I know it's about oil, it's like, OK, well, these countries are going to have it out, whatever. But to single out one man. For coming up with an invention that can improve mankind, but by the greed of the country saying, here's the plan, we'll go to Cracker Barrel, <laughs> poison his fucking cranberry juice, and watch him as he smacks his head against the asphalt and says, I've been poisoned, wrap duct tape around his mouth so he can't scream in his final seconds of his life, and then the autopsy, we're going to totally manipulate the shit out of that and make it seem like he had some brain aneurysm, and at the funeral cry in front of his family like we give a shit and his whole family is going to be in misery all because the guy was smart and tried to improve mankind Congratulations. i know sad i know 
sad. It's really sad. That's our government. I know. I now look, it. I don't I, I don't know if anything that you're saying is true. I there we're not I don't know any facts about this story. It it's sounds true. like something. It's true. I do my research. Uh, okay. All right. I will believe you on it. But but I also it does not It was su- Alan Wrench. <laughs> <laughs> it does not surprise that's a fucking callback from twenty episodes ago. <laughs> I know I had to. Um I hope you're up, brushed up on your AI five, and then you might have actually gotten that joke. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it doesn't surprise me at all. If you the one thing in the world that you cannot do if you want your life or at least your well being or anything like that is fuck with the money. Yeah. The second you fuck with the money, you're gonna get killed, or you're gonna get pushed out, or you're gonna, so or they're gonna fucking run some type of smear campaign against you to make you look like the bad person. And I mean, these aren't conspiracy theories. People just are willing, you know. Yeah. Like people always say, you know, oh, we have all these super smart people. Why can't we have a motor that runs on water? Why can't we have the cure for cancer? Why can't we have the cure for AIDS? And anyone that has half a fucking brain knows that we do. And you just can't, like you said, fuck with the government's money because you're going to get off the cracker barrel. Yeah. See, that's the great thing about the, uh, the Internet now. And that's why things are actually changing. And I also think that that's a big thing, uh, a big thing behind this presidential campaign, which I'm not going to get political on, but, right. but I, but I'm so full into at this point, but, um, is because of the internet a- age and how quickly people can get information now. Like that same person could have designed that engine and then, and then put that, like put it on the internet saying, like, I designed this. Yeah. And then people would have known that. So the information would have been there first. And then if he suspiciously, suspiciously got murdered, then people would be like, yo, what the fuck? This is, you know what I mean? Like that kind yeah. of thing. And and so it's getting harder and harder and harder. And that's why we're seeing innovations like electric cars and, and stuff like that happening now because they can't, the, the, the powers that be, the, the interest, the money interests are having a harder and harder time squashing that now because the this information gets out and spreads so quick. I mean, news... Regular news can't keep up with information, you know. Yeah, like you can't like uh, like uh, even, I, I'm a baseball fan, and I know trades and and shit that happens way before before the news picks it up because of Twitter. You know, yeah. it's like the second it happens, it fucking is out there. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and that's with anything, and that's good for us little guys. That's good for the bigger guys. Not so good. Not so good. No. Right. So, um. So last episode, um. We were talking about, uh, and I don't even know how we came up with this. It's something I always think about for some reason. Yeah, which you shouldn't because you're the only <laughs> one that has the real risk of it happening. Yeah, I know. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in style, my uh, Okay. Friend. Well, we were talking about songs to OD to. And so we, we threw it out there and we said, uh, anybody who listens to the Awkward High Five podcast, if you want to let us know the song that you would like to OD to, then Twitter us or, I'm sorry, tweet us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun little use, exercise. I have to use the vernacular, uh, or email us and stuff. And, and we got some some friends of the show, some people that we don't know. It doesn't matter. And uh, so, tell me what you think of some of these. Yeah, I'm interested. Okay, first one, "Head Over Heels" by Tears for Fears. Ooh, that's a good OD one. I don't know if I'm familiar with that song. Something happens now. I'm head, head over heels. heels. Oh yeah, that is that a fucking is a good one. That is a goodie. Um. Uh, that's actually my girl, one of my girlfriend's favorite songs. Really? Yeah. Tears for Fears is fucking great. Yeah, that's a good band. Um, oh, I like that one a lot. 
This one, I know the band, but I don't know the exact song, and I'm sure you don't know this song, is uh, Six Days at the Bottom of the Ocean by Explosions in the Sky. Never even heard of it. I it, would love to know how that goes. I, I know the band, so I, I know the like the general like uh, feeling of their music. What, uh, what kind of band are we talking here? It's kind of like, you, you know what? I might be wrong saying this, but I think Explosions in the Sky might be an instrumental band. Maybe I'm <laughs> getting them confused with Mogwai. But they're but at, but at the very at the very least they're like a uh, like a kind of like slower dramatic kind of thing at least the songs I heard from them all right so it makes sense um, while my guitar gently weeps but uh. but the Tom Petty Prince cover of it oh no to, <laughs> I love that song and people cover that song well if if you want somebody if you want somebody that's gonna cover your song you want Prince to cover your fucking I song. guess. But that song is a prime example how George was the money behind the Beatles. George, oh, fuck, you're fucking, you're preaching to the choir here. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. You, you're a firm believer? Hands down, George is the best Beatle. Mm-hmm. By far the best I, I take that info from my mother. I have no exact proof, but that song is, is some pretty heavy Now, look, proof. John Lennon is an amazing songwriter. Right. And, and in his own right, Paul McCartney is an amazing songwriter. And that's right. Even if you kind of, it, it, like... You know, it gets a little silly with yeah, him. Yeah. But he's written some good songs. Yes. And 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 yes, George uh did not get as many songs on albums as the two of those did, and and I understand why and all that stuff. But if you're gonna talk about the best musician in the Beatles and what I think is the best songwriter and also the best solo career after the Beatles, is George hands down. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. Love that man. I fully agree. I love George. But you know, I, I he said, was the lead guitar player, was he not? Um, yeah. I mean, he did a lot of the solo work, but yeah. you know, but and that's the thing. Like his guitar playing as a guitar player, his mm. guitar playing is so fucking smooth and like, yeah, I love that man, I love him. Um, that's a good OD song, right? But uh, I I said to that when I got that tweet, I said um that any prince song would be a good od song i'd even od to the whole batman soundtrack really vicky vale vicky vale yeah if it's if we're going that route i would want to od to gentlemen let's broaden our minds lawrence <laughs> trust is that it <laughs> that's not that song but that's oh. another good one trust yeah. how do you who do you trust money 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 hubba 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 who do you trust bob <laughs> you are my number, number one, one. A guy, Bob Gunn. Uh, yeah, probably the best soundtrack I've ever written by a human being ever. The whole soundtrack's Prince, right? Is there even yeah, another no, artist on it. the album? Yeah, no, it's, that's what's so, so fucking great about it. It's the Prince album, um, and you get to hear it vividly on any ride at Great Adventure. When I was a child, and that movie came out, I I bought that cassette tape and listened to it fucking beginning to end nonstop for probably a year it is the music of an era yeah and and uh and you know love prince fucking love the motherfucker um and and most people will say that that's probably the weirdest thing prince has ever done because a lot of it isn't even songs a lot of it's just quark, 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 vicky barrel vicky barrel you know this town needs an enema enema but well, that's uh, when he left the new generation right or the new power generation that's when he went solo from the new yeah power. maybe and he, and he changed his name to a symbol and shit me and my father were talking the other day about how great of a movie Purple Rain is. Yeah, I never sat through that whole thing. Uh, I couldn't make it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, oh, we had a lot of participation in this category. Got some participation. It's a fun exercise. Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo. Okay. It's a dead man's party. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very uplifting death. 
yeah, right. I know. That's not your you know, traditional slow down and whatever. And I would think that in the 80s, it was probably a lot of cocaine overdoses to that exact song, probably. Well, probably that scene in um, Back to School, while they're playing that song at their party, some people probably overdosed yeah. right there to I'm, it. I'm sure Downey was pretty damn close. <laughs> well, fucking uh, Rodney Dangerfield was close every fucking second. That motherfucker... <laughs> Was like in his fucking sixties snapping rails. I'm sure. You think that? Who do you think had more coke delivered to that set? Was it Robert Downey Jr. or Dangerfield? Well, considering Rod- Robert Downey Jr. was like 18 at the time, I'm going to say Dangerfield. Dangerfield, yeah, yeah. okay. Because Dangerfield I, was a maniac. He was. Uh, was that was that uh, Robert Downey's drug of choice? Cocaine. You know, I don't it, know much about more of the H. I don't know much about the Iron Man. I don't really yeah, know. I don't know either. But man, what a turnaround he did, huh? Well, considering that he's he, my spirit animal. Consi- oh God, are you serious? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying even using the term "my spirit animal." <laughs> spirit animal. <laughs> um, moving on. People say that the young on drugs Robert Downey kind of looks like me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what. I Yeah, heard. it might be like the olive skin, fucking uh, eyebrows, gap tooth. Uh, Eddie from the Munsters, Widow's Peak, Caroline kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Bittersweet Symphony. Um, it's a bittersweet. I hate that song. Symphony list life. I see. I see where the overdose feeling comes from in that song, but I just dislike that song so much. Those motherfuckers got their asses sued off by the Rolling the Stones, Stones, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy because like they literally like sampled the tiniest thing from one of the songs. What and, was it? That violin? I, I think so. you know. I don't know for sure. Yeah, it's like the Vanilla Ice, David Bowie. Bum, 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 yeah, mine went ting, 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 cats, and yeah. his went ting, ting, ting. <laughs> like you're gonna argue about that for real? Um, next up, landslide, but the Smashing Pumpkins cover. Oh yeah, yeah, the, but definitely the Smashing Pumpkins cover. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Although I do like the original. Yeah, the song's good, but we're talking O.D. Land here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that is a good cover, so I get that. Okay, um, this one I do not know. Uh, Before You Cry by Camera Obscura. Don't know it I don't either. know it either. No. I don't know it. I wish I did. But, uh, but you know, I'm going to say that it's a good heroin song. It's a okay. good overdose song. And then the last one, which I think is the quintessential, and I'm upset that I didn't even think about it. And once the person wrote it to me, and I went and listened to it about three or four times, is Mazzy Star... Fade, fade into, into you, goody. Fade, yeah. Fade into me, actually. No, it's fade into you. Oh yeah, fade. Yeah. Into and you know, all this talk has me think of a new one that I like. Okay. I'm gonna go with psychedelic furs. Love my way. I don't know it. Sing a little bit. Yes, you do. Give me a little fucking bar. Love my way. It's an 80s synth song. It's probably like the most popular 80s synth song there is. By the psychedelic furs. Love my way. Don't know it. Love my way. I don't know the words. Yeah. I think that's what the synth does over and over again. Love my way. Dude, I, I do not know. I just like that song a lot, but it'd be good for the OD. Uh, oh, look it up. You're going to love this song. Okay, I will. You're going to love it. Um, If I'm going to go 80 synth yeah. OD, 80 synth OD, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Bizarre Love Triangle by New Order. Okay. Uh, or, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going Bizarre Love Triangle cover by Frente. Really? Yeah. Frente? Oh, yeah. Remember that fucking cover? Yeah, Labor of Love, remember? 
Uh, yeah, but not Labor of Love. Bizarre tr- Love yeah, Triangle. Yeah. Um, but that's not very od Every time I see you falling, I get down on my knees and pray. Waiting like for that, that final moment. Uh, yeah, New Order is the fucking best. Or if you want to go before New Order <laughs> and go to Joy Division and just uh, fucking, um, I mean, any Joy, any Joy Division song is a is oh, an well, he song. was he was a disturbed individual. Yeah, totally. Uh, he was one of those I will die on this day from a drug overdose. But he had like something like meningitis or some weird brain disease. <laughs> <laughs> he was a fucked up person. All right, what's the? Uh, Hang on for a second. The song I'm talking about, Psychedelic Furs, Love My Way. Oh, you're going to love it. I can't wait to love hear it. Love My Way. By the Psychedelic Furs. I'm sure I fucking know oh, it. Oh, once you hear the first fucking line, you're going to know it. Um, It's like, it's the quintessential 80s synth song. There's a video for it? No, I'm just on YouTube. Oh, it's a commercial. Oh, there might be a fucking video for it. I'm no uh, idea. It's probably just a face in pink smoke. <laughs> Uh, while I'm waiting for this to load up, if anybody wants to uh, let us know what your the song that you would prefer to overdose to, yeah, join in, join in. I act. Oh my God, purple smoke! <laughs> Called that shit. Just let it ride, baby. I love this. You know it already, right? All I picture is Nick Cage like confessing his love to the Valley Girl. You want to get out of here? Okay. Such a goodie. Wait for the hook. The hook. You'll know it. Ready? Doesn't it make you just feel 80s? Yeah. I wouldn't mind overdosing this song. I would overdose to any song with an xylophone in it. Yes. I actually, uh, <clears throat> I got a message from someone saying they would OD, OD to my Sherry O'More. Yeah, that's a but good one. It is a good one, but I feel like they took that from a movie. Someone actually overdoses in a movie to that song. Really? That you're, you're disqualified. You took that, and they didn't realize that they took it from a movie, but their subconscious allowed it to be an answer. And I said, nope, disqualified. It's from a movie. And I can't <laughs> think of a movie, but I will. Um, another song that I would like to overdose to. Oh, you know what it is? It's when Kate Hudson gets her stomach pumped in Almost Famous. Ah. And I was like, you're disqualified. You're fucking disqualified. Well, that's not technically an OD, though. I know, but it's the same premise, and you're disqualified. Sorry. Okay. Gonna have to take that away from you. Come up with another one. I would like um, uh, one of my favorite artists and songwriters of all time, probably my favorite songwriter of all time, uh, Roy Orbison in Dreams. In Dreams. In Dreams. I would OD to that. Oh yeah, but I would OD to any Roy Orbison song. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I, I would like fucking Roy Orbison to be on while I'm getting to a major boat accident. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. That or Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> Someone hits you with Narcan, you wake up, you hit Cotton Eye Joe, and put the needle right back in your arm. Kill yourself. But you know what? Since I'm celebrating my favorite day on the face of the earth. Uh, I think the number one song that I would love to overdose to would be Down. Congratulations. There is a 311 song I wouldn't mind, Odin. Oh, um. Beautiful Disaster. Nah, that song sucks. <laughs> they all think so. 
Are you saying the 311 sucks on 311 day? I'm sorry. In front of I take me, it back. Devin, I take it back. the biggest 311 fan on the face <laughs> of the earth? I will not have that, sir. I will not stand for it. <laughs> I take it back. One of the worst concerts I ever went to in my life, 311 and Hoobastank. Good Lord. Uh, are you talking about on the campus of Stockton College? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and, and would you mind telling the fine folk at home what happened that night? Uh, I don't know. Everybody was... that we lived with, including my fucking girlfriend at the time, were so excited that 311 was coming and everybody freaked out and got tickets and went and everyone's like, Dev, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to sit home and jerk off. Is that what happened? <laughs> I did. I went to the concert because I just started dating a girl that I really, really liked and she wanted to go and I had connections at the radio station so I got tickets for free and I took her to this concert and she was so excited because she loved the band and I had to pretend to like it too and you know, we just met and we were all in love and I like put her on my shoulders at the concert. It was, it was one of those things but I really couldn't stand it and they, a sweetheart they played it they played the song oh, of course they did they probably opened and closed with it and they played this, chill they played this one song it was like a beautiful song and i can't think of what it was oh uh i'll be here a while ain't going nowhere and it was like you know you just meet somebody they played the right tune it was really nice and you uh finger banged her yep right on the dance floor nice <laughs> yeah Eighth grade style, eighth grade dance style. Eighth grade dance. Yo, man, I fingered her during that dance. Mm-hmm. That happened once. I got into a lot of trouble from that. <laughs> I, think I, I fingered someone at a dance, and like the teachers found out. Yeah, well, you always tried to slip it in when you were a kid, slow <laughs> yeah. dancing. If you're close enough. I remember. The, oh man, remember the first time you ever finger chick? How gushy it is. And you're like, I did not expect the vagina to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It Those is. young chicks were so damn wet. It was like you just came near the vagina and it was like, whoosh. Oh, yeah, sure. God, I wish I was 13 again. Now you have to get like a fucking super soaker full of lube. <laughs> <and be> like, <laughs> like the fucking, uh, that shit that they spray all and over. Ghostbusters the- too. <laughs> yes. I'm right there with you. I know. I wasn't doing that because you're right there with me. I'm doing that because you're stepping on the Oh, line. shit. I always forget we're doing a damn show. Um, but yes, yeah, so like the pink shit that they spray all over the Statue of Liberty and Ghostbusters too. Um, yep. Yes. <laughs> That's what you have to do now. I know. It's I guess. hard. It's hard. I get excited. If you look like I, I do, I guess, at least. That's why, I mean, you know, I got my ground game. My fucking... I got my spelunking light. And I go in. <laughs> you work the hood. I do. I love this. I'm a hood guy. That's what you really like. That's what I really like. <laughs> um, so you were saying before the show, what the fuck are you babbling about? James Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say uh, Columbia or some genius uh, television programming finally made the biopic of one James Brown. And, it, you know, it gives you the inside look of what a fucking raging psychopath The he movie is. you're talking about. The movie Get On Up. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's the same guy who played, uh, it's the same kid who does, like, every black biopic. He did a... Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. He played um, Jackie Robinson in his biopic. And, Wouldn't know. Uh, okay. Anyway, go the on. The only biopics I watch are the musical ones. Yeah. And I'm really into them. Uh-huh. Especially the ones that go through that era, because they're all the same. Kid grows up as a sharecropper. Poor black kid never changed his shoes. Father gets lynched, runs away from home, becomes a fucking platinum-selling artist. <laughs> so it's that same story. That's it. The, the, the age-old story. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. If like, if you were a sharecropper, do you become a millionaire? Because if that's the case, I wouldn't mind being a slave. <laughs> because that, it pretty much gives me... 
it pretty much gives me a full life ticket to becoming a platinum selling recording artist. I I don't think um I well also uh, first I'd like to say that there was a very there was many 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 slaves that did not become platinum fucking well, recording Well they just artists. didn't work hard enough. James Brown was the hardest working man in show business. He made it happen. Oh yeah, totally. Mr. Trimey, Mr. Please please please, Mr. Pop has a brand new band, Mr. Dynamite and Mr. Get on up uh, I think, I think, uh, the universal thing there is, and I do, I listen to a lot. I am very interested in creative people's, uh, journey, their story. Yeah. I listen to a lot of Mark Marin's podcast, and the reason that I like it so much is not so much for Marin, even though I think that he's, he's funny and everything, but he really, he, he, he doesn't just, pr- he just doesn't plug their newest thing that they're talking about. He says, let's start from the beginning and go through what, you know, and that kind of shit. And it's really interesting to listen I'm to. I'm sorry. What do you mean? So he doesn't by let's start from the beginning. Like, like, okay, where were you born? What, how many brothers and sisters do you have? What were your oh, parents if like? Interviewing, a yeah, newest. on on the podcast, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. When he interviews people, I you know you. what I mean, and um, and then gets really gets into their story, and I really mm-hmm. like that a lot. And and um, and he wh- finds out they're all slaves. Well, I wouldn't say slaves, maybe indentured servants. No, but yeah. but uh, the the one of the main uh, like continuing threads through that is. That most people that become rich and famous do come from some sort of shitty background. Yes. Whether it be economic uh, depression or or abusive parents. Right. Or just some dumb hick town that they have to fucking dance their way out of Footloose style. Like, whatever it may be. That, like, most people that are comfortable, like, they, they grow up in maybe, like, a an upper middle class family or, or a wealthy family in, a, in some sort of a metropolitan city or something like that, for the most part, uh, you know, like the Lady Gaga's and stuff aside, but but like for the most part, do not become these like these ultra big artists and actors and all and musicians and all that stuff, you know. So I think there is that like there has to be that I want to get the fuck out of this. Right. This is the only thing that I can latch on. I'm just going to use all my energy to get the fuck out, mm-hmm. you know, and I love it. Yeah, I, I love it too. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love that that drive to, to just to want to succeed and just to pull yourself out of the mud. And it's just it's such an inspiring story. And you know, as, as much of a psychopath as James Brown was, he really was the hardest working man in show business. You know, making his band perfect every single fucking note that they possibly could. You know, forcing them to practice or else they get fined, which is the psycho part of him. You know, and, you know, music shouldn't be that intense. But then again, he made them the best band that there was, you know? Yeah. Well, I remember when I was younger and I found out about bands that operated that way, especially the older artists. And yeah. I was like stunned by it because my, my thing in bands was always have as much fun as you possibly Yeah. You're could, with your right? friends and then you and your friends come up with some good, good music. I never saw it as a business, which is probably one of the reasons that we didn't succeed as much as, as a band. Mm-hmm. I never saw the business side of it. I always just saw the creative side of it. Yeah. But like it, it is the rare person. Like, okay, take the Eagles, for example. The Eagles were 100% fucking, uh, like, uh, attache yeah. cases handcuffed to their fucking arm businessmen. Business was the first thing. Music was the second fucking thing. Yeah. And I'm talking about Glenn Fry and, and, and Don Henley, you know, two putts. Yeah. Right. But, but fucking, um, like that was legit it. That, that's, they, that, that was their, they might as well have been selling fucking carpets or insurance or something like that. But and they weren't. They were just selling that peaceful, easy feeling to people, you know? Yeah. And when you see, when you, when you are like, I'm throwing up the air shrimps here, artist. Or, or at least consider yourself an artistic person, 
And when that's when that thing shattered at a certain point where you're like, wait, people use this as a business, you know, like uh, it's a weird feeling. It's very weird. Yeah. And you feel like you can't keep up with it. You know, like if I was ever to have been like a successful musician, which I don't think I ever would have even allowed myself to be. But if I was, I would have had to be that type of person that like would have had to have had handlers and and all that shit. You know what I mean? Like, just let him create the art and we'll take care of everything else. You know? Exactly. But there's the rare dudes like James Brown and the Eagles guys and stuff like that that are like one part uh, artist, one part businessman and know how to rock it. And they normally make end up making a ton of cash. One of the coolest things I noticed that they portray in the story and, you know, it's... Like I said before, it's so hard with it, with the biopic and when someone's uh, creative life is celebrated because they're always the one who changed the game. They're always the one who influenced everyone. They're always the one that there wouldn't be this without them. And, of course, they make that person seem, you know, larger than life because it's about them. But the coolest part of this whole entire movie was he's trying to teach his band playing certain time signatures over opposite time signatures. Okay. And the band couldn't grasp it. Right. So what he does is he goes up to the drummer and he taps the snare drum and he said, you know, talking to Bobby Bird or somebody, he's like, what instrument is this? And like, it's a snare drum, Mr. Brown. And they always had to call him Mr. Brown. He wasn't James to anybody. He yeah. was Mr. Brown, right. like business type. So it's a snare drum, Mr. Brown. Then he goes over to the guitar player. What instrument is this? It's a guitar, Mr. Brown. He's like, wrong. It's a drum. So then he goes on to tell his band that every single instrument in that band is a drum because a drum doesn't need to be in tune to sound good. It doesn't need to be in a certain key to sound good. If it sounds good and it feels good, yeah. it's music. And that fucking sends shivers down my spine. Yeah. Cause he was trying, I think he was in, they were in the process of writing, um, cold sweat. Okay. And I think that I want to say the time signature is three, four, and they couldn't grasp it because everybody else was just in four. And he's, you know, and he, he, he doesn't know the term drop beat. Yeah. So he's, he's describing it to his drummer as take it from the top of the funk. And I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing I ever heard. Yeah, sure. Started from the top of the funk. Right. <laughs> and he's talking about the drop beat. Yeah. Well, you know how it is when you're in bands. You, you come up with your own language so that you could right. relate to, you know what I mean? Like, to, all right. So to put that shuka, shuka, shuka over yeah. that fucking. Over the yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah, right. That's how we did it. Yeah, exactly. But it was just so fucking cool, you know, hearing it come from James Brown, who doesn't really know the terms for anything, but can write some of the funkiest shit you ever heard in your life probably you know? the funkiest shit you ever heard yeah in. yeah and you know he was just a he had that in him he was just a talented yeah. ass dude and that's and that's one of the things is like he knew what he fucking liked like he knew what he wanted and what he liked did you see the movie um that they did about brian wilson um i've seen a movie about brian wilson not the newest one that looks really cool yeah watch it it's amazing the newest one yeah it's great it looks cool and a paul dano who's the who's the famous person in that well john cusack plays older brian wilson right paul dano who is the star of the film i don't know who that is you do he's uh there will be blood um he's the preacher boy and there will be blood give me the blood eli give me the blood that kid He's an amazing actor. He's a um, bastard in a blanket. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, I've plays, abandoned my boy. He plays Wilson. He plays younger Brian Does Wilson, he? and he he's he kills like he's the whole movie. This really? is the reason you want to watch the movie. And what's it? Isn't it called? What's it called? Yeah, I forget the like, name of I'll it. I'll fly away or something. Yeah, random, it's right? it's it's a line from a Beach Boys song. Oh, it is. But anyway, they go into the whole thing, which um, I actually just had watched. There's a documentary on the Wrecking Crew. 
which is the you know which is the 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 session musicians that were on all the uh, all the Motown albums all that shit back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh he you know when he was writing pet sounds he employed them and uh and it's the same kind of thing like this dude was like a fucking uh, if he was 20 years old like it, it, it somewhere around there this like basically kid went into this room with all these old jaded fucking session guys who had played on every album under the sun and was like no you do this you do this and then yeah this might sound out of key here but play it with this and and all this stuff was so confident about his fucking shit even when everybody was second guessing him and then made pet sounds which was one of the greatest albums ever made by a human being ever and and uh and and then after that all those dudes from the wrecking crew and girls from the wrecking crew were like he was the best artist producer that we ever worked with yeah. and i mean and these guys worked with everybody every mm. single person you know it's so cool yeah and they were just like he's the fucking bet you know like uh it like every once in a while there there are those fucking cats out there that just have it all and yeah. have the vision but then also have the balls to push that vision on people mm. and not take no for an answer and shit like right. you need, that's almost part of the equation too of course you know what i'm saying of course so yeah because i know like if i had some crazy vision and thought it was the bomb and brought it to a room of these like older experienced musicians and they told me it wasn't gonna work i'd probably be like man eh, i think you're right <laughs> <laughs> but you guys are the professionals yeah so i don't you know change my song we're gonna go back and that's another thing is like uh what's what's the dude from the beach boys that everybody hates uh love what what's his name something love mike yeah, is it Mike Love? The one that just sings and plays like the bongos or some shit? Yeah, but he was the one that... <laughs> Uncle Jesse? He, <laughs> uh, he was the one from back in the day that was like writing all the super poppy, the, the very early... The one that's movie. still alive. The white-haired dude? Yeah. yeah the, very, the very fucking like poppy Beach Boys songs. And then and then when, when Brian Wilson was trying to change into this this different thing... He was like dead set against it, you know, like he was like, no, we just need to write about cute girls riding surfboards. That's who the Beach Boys are, you know, and like couldn't see his vision, uh-huh. you know, and he had to and he had to like pretty much fight his brothers and this dude to get over that. Then get over this like the shit that he had to do to make that fucking album. Now, there's something that confuses me about Brian Wilson. I'm sure you'll be able to clear this up. Did he ever perform with the Beach Boys or he was just kind of like a like a like a ghostwriter? Well, he performed with the Beach Boys before the, he started writing Pet Sounds. And then when he started writing Pet Sounds, he asked them. They were about to go on tour overseas. I think it was Japan or something like that. It might have even been a whole overseas European Japan kind of thing. Um, and he asked them if they could, if he could not go to stay home to write songs. And so they got another guy in to, to do his parts. They went on tour. He sat home and, and wrote and Pet Sounds. Wrote. Okay. And then after that, it was ki- it's kind of when he went, a little, you know, he started going nuts. Yeah. And, uh, Doing coke and eating yeah. cheeseburgers. And I think it was sporadic ever since then kind of yeah. thing. And, and was it his brother that was the drummer that killed himself? I know a Beach Boy killed himself. Right? I don't think he killed himself. I think he died. But, I, you know, I don't. He I drowned. Don't, yeah, I don't have I that. Think, I thought he drowned in himself. I, I don't have that information. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know about that. But anyway. Beach, I, a lot, there's a lot of mystique behind the Beach Boys. Well, the Beach Boys were kind of like the Jackson 5 in the fact that they had a failed musician father right. who beat the music into them. Right, right. You know, because that. he wanted his kids to succeed. Yeah. So, and, and live through them just like your, you know, your soccer moms and football dads of the fucking world. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so he pressured them and abused them and stuff like that into making 
I don't know if he physically abused. I shouldn't make that claim. He might have just mentally, but he was he was a hard ass, right? You know, who pushed them into that kind of shit, just like the Jacksons, you know, which is like another thing, you know, like uh, like yeah, Joe Jackson like beat his kids and he's a fucking complete scumbag. But would we not have had Michael Jackson, you know, like one of the greatest artists of all time, if that didn't happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's it. Just that goes back to what we're saying before. It comes from some sort of oppression, you know, like some sort of hurdle that you have to get over and deal with to mm-hmm. become, you know, who you are and make a I mean, giant impact in the world. That's also, a, you know, a somewhat selfish way to look at it because it's like, yeah, would we have Michael Jackson, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, but would Michael Jackson, if he could go back and do it, if he was alive, would he just want to be simple Mike Jackson and just like be a fucking like, you know, construction worker or would he do it all over again? Yeah, I don't see. I don't know. He almost seemed like he was miserable. Well, I mean, Michael Jackson literally was the same thing as if, like, say you had a kid. It's the same story as, like, uh, any football player, any fucking linebacker in the NFL. You know, they they were born and then they had a football in their fucking hands and that's all they knew their whole life. Yeah. You know? And then there has to be a certain point in your life where you're like, okay, I'm in my fucking late 30s, 40s. This is all I've done my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do without this. Right. And I think I, you know, and, and I think in a certain way, Michael Jackson went through that, you know. And and the whole thing, and this isn't saying anything that anybody doesn't know, but the whole thing with the little kids and shit, you know, that everybody makes fun of him for. That was just him wanting to be a little fucking kid. Yeah. Whether he actually abused those kids or touched those kids or not, I have no idea. I don't, you know, whatever. I don't even care or want to know. But, like, that interview they did with him when he was, like, in a tree and fucking showing everybody his fucking uh, his amusement park in his backyard and shit, that was just Michael Jackson trying to get back the childhood that he never had yeah. because he was being pressured and abused like a fucking slave Yeah. his whole life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. So... Yeah, it's a fucked up thing, man. T- to combine someone that was like oppressed mentally with the music business that would take a business that would take one of the most strong minded people in the world and flip them inside out. You take someone that's fucking, you know, mentally eight years old, it's going to fuck them up even worse. Yeah. You know? But, you know, the thing is, is that that fucking Michael Jackson, when he was eight years old, fucking destroyed. I mean, that kid could sing like nobody else. Yeah. I mean, nobody fucking else. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just a raw fucking talent that it was a nerve that was just struck. Thank God. In, and, and then, you know, mm-hmm. we, we got we got, Mike. we got what we got, we got you Mike. know. But back to James Brown. Man, I got so much new respect for that man. I've, I've always loved James Brown. But just to, when you get the story of where someone comes comes from and how much work they actually put into their life. Just how hard they try to, to be the world's greatest entertainer. Just, you know, it gives you a lot of respect. And it was, uh, uh, of course, I do my research and my, my, I was going to say, watching. did you, did you Wikipedia everything uh, after of this? Of course. I read the shit out of it. There was actually one show in 83 where, uh, James Brown made a comeback after a long drug binge, but then he made a comeback, did a show. Uh, he actually fired his whole entire band, but he got Bootsy Collins on bass. And ah. Bootsy was like 19 years old, but he eventually ended up firing him because he was so charismatic that he didn't want to be upstaged by anyone in his he band. He thought he was stealing the show. Exactly. Yeah. But he had Bootsy on stage. Then he calls young Mike on stage, and young Mike insists that he calls a young prince on stage. So one... What? Yeah. So I don't I, even know about this. This sounds up. like the most amazing thing of all time. Yeah, it's called Legendario or something. It's James Brown, Bootsy on bass. Michael Jackson dancing and singing, and Prince comes up and plays guitar. Come on. Swear to God. It's 
Unbelievable. How old was Prince? It was 83. Prince was probably like 19 or some shit. Well, I mean, that wasn't young Michael in 83. I mean, he was already in... Whatever his, Mike was. Yeah. He, he just went solo. Yeah. You know, it was right after Off the Wall, right before Thriller. How do I not know about this? I need to watch this you immediately. Got, you gotta do some research, my Holy friend. Holy shit. Yeah, 1983. James Brown, Mike, Prince, and Bootsy all on the same stage. That's bringing unbelievable. Bringing the funk. That is unbelievable. Bringing that funk. And they're just jamming away. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I saw uh, a Prince thing not too long ago, which I, I was I didn't know. I, I was surprised that I missed. And I, I think it was at like a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing or something like that. And um, actually, it might have been uh, My Guitar Gently Weeps. It might have been when they covered that for that. Anyway, Prince comes out and he fucking um, at the very end with his Telecaster, which is one of my favorite guitars ever. Not the fucking cymbal guitar. Like right. His, his blonde yeah, Telecaster. Not the Claudio. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and fucking um, he comes out at the very end after all these cats are on stage playing everything. And he just fucking rips this solo, which is unbelievable. But the greatest thing about it is at the very last uh, note of the solo, he just stares out in the crowd and just throws his guitar straight up in the air. And then it just disappears. What? Like, I don't even know how he does. I mean, apparently he has some like he there's probably somebody up on the rafters who like <laughs> yeah, caught right, it or something like that. But just the way he does it, like he just fucking rips and it just takes it off and throws it up. And it just disappears. And I was like, you are the fucking cool. <laughs> there is nobody cool. cooler than fucking Prince. Uh, a friend of mine put on my Facebook page the other day, um, like this 15 minute long um, thing of when it was Prince was rehearsing uh, Dove's Cry with like his band at the time. And it's like this black and white recording in like this fucking uh, rehearsal studio. And it's them just doing it. And that alone is fucking amazing. That's pretty cool. There's nothing more amazing than that. So I have to go see what you what you were talking about right there. I have to go see immediately. Oh, yeah. It's right on YouTube, my man. And they just jam for like a good 10 minutes. And it's pretty fucking cool. Now, it's not as good as Congratulations. on 311 Day. but No, it's not. It's not. I, my favorite artists of all time, I'm going to say, are number one 311 and then Prince. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, we were talking. Uh, is that you're done with the James Brown? Uh, I'll come back up here and there. But, you know, just. A lot of respect, uh, you know, Mr. Please, 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 James Brown. I just swallowed a seed from an orange down my throat. Oof. I felt it. Now you're going to grow oranges. Does that mean an orange prince? Uh, an orange prince? <laughs> <laughs> Is an orange prince going to grow in my stomach, Richard? Please tell me. You're going to open your mouth. You're going to hear diamonds and pearls. <laughs> um, I had to pick the worst prince song for that. Oh, we're running out of show already. We've been rambling. What, running out of time or running out of material? No, running out of time. Oh, shit. Oh, we can sit here and fucking babble forever. <laughs> I know. Uh, if you want to if you want to tell us what songs you would like to overdose to. Yeah, it's a fun little exercise. Tweet us at AwkwardHI5 on Twitter. Email us at AwkwardHigh5Podcast at Gmail. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, all that good stuff. And leave leave uh, reviews on iTunes so we can throw a party sometime soon. Seriously, I think we're like it's only it's only been like a couple months of begging, <laughs> pretty much. See, that's why I don't like to bring it up because like I don't like to feel like it's begging, but All it's something right. that should happen. I know why not? Yeah, it's not asking much. Yeah, do it. We're not asking you to OD to a song or anything. Or well, yeah, right. But at least tell us what song you're gonna OD <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So do you remember when? Um, Okay, here's here's we were talking about this before. I said I was going to tell us on the air, even though it's fucking embarrassing. But here we go. That's what we're all about. So when I was 19 years old, 
um, I was at a friend. Well, I was outside of a friend's house, and uh, or I meant, even, you know, I was nineteen. I was outside of a friend's house. Um, we were having a party at their house, and we were leaving. And uh, we we're I was drunk, very drunk. And uh, my and you were getting behind the wheel. I was not getting behind the wheel. All right. No, here's the thing. Right. I had a, a a bottle of vodka in my one hand. And in my other hand, I had a beer that I was finishing. All right. Now, our friend at the time was over 21 years old, and we were going somewhere else. It was in the, it was in October, and uh, or somewhere around there, the, the fall, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to get the attention of the driver who was now doing the thing where you know you put your arm around the seat and then you look behind to back up, kind of deal. Yeah. I wanted to get his attention because I wanted to put the vodka in the trunk of his car because he was of age. Whereas if I got pulled over, because we were doing a little drinking, Mm -hmm. I wasn't of age. So I'm running after him with a beer in one hand and a a bottle of vodka in the other hand. And I hid a wet patch of leaves. Yeah, I was right there. And I do a header into the concrete. Wasn't as intense as the bunny hop off of the block, but it was pretty fucking intense. Right. So what happens after that is I wake up in my parents' uh, living room. And, uh, and, and, and looking over me, um, is my girlfriend at the time and both my parents and maybe even my brother. I was there. And you were there. And, uh, I immediately like be like, what's up? What's up? And I put my tongue in my mouth and my teeth are fucking out of my mouth. I knocked, Gonzo. I knocked my front to- tooth out of my now- mouth. I cracked the other tooth. I fucking did all this crazy shit. Right. So that was the whole thing. Now, let me, a little side note to this day. I'm 36 years old. To this day, my mother still does not believe that story. She thinks she thinks that, that I got into a fight and that I will not tell her that I got Are into a fight. Are you serious? I mean, I... This come, I'll tell her right now. She doesn't believe it. She never, really? She'll never believe it. No. I mean, this this <laughs> this has come up on holidays and shit like that. Why would you lie? I know. I said it to her a million That's times. That's so fucked I, up. I've, I've said the sentence, Mom, I'm 34 years old. Why wouldn't I tell you about a fight I got into when I was 19? But she believes you tried to bunny hop off of a block well, <laughs> in the middle of a school party. Right. Anyway, the point of this is is that um, uh, a, a bunch of things happened from this. One of them was that I had to have braces in my 20s because mm-hmm. uh, I, when I was younger, I had a gap. A Madonna-type gap, a David Letterman-type gap, if you will. Yes, yeah. Um, I liked my gap. His uh, character. Uh, yes. and But uh, what happened is when I broke one of the front tooth out, teeth out, um, they had, to, in order to put a fake tooth in there, they had to give me braces so that they, I could close the gap, right? Now, not only did I have braces, I, they also gave me a fake tooth, which, uh, which was like a spike. It was like a fucking tooth with like a spike that I, you, they jammed up into my gums. And for about a year or so, it was fine. It was there. Nothing was going on. And then about a year after that, uh, it started getting loose. And for about two years of my life, I had a front tooth that would fall out all the time. Mm-hmm. On a stick. Yes. It would fall out all the time. And it was, uh, and I mean, I can't tell you how many different times this has happened. Um, I remember one time I was driving in a girl's car that I thought that uh, um, I, everything was going all right. She was driving me home after a party. I was like, this is sweet. I'm going to bring her home and we're going to have a loving embrace. And while I was talking to her, that's another thing. <laughs> this happened a lot. The tooth would fall out a lot when I was drunk, I guess, because like you just get loose, like your body, the body yeah, just yeah. gets loose. Your blood starts flowing more. 
Um, and I remember my tooth fell out while I was talking to her in shotgun in her car. <laughs> and then I had to like try to be smooth and like, oh, shove it back I, in. No, but I didn't even know where it was. Oh, like shit. I was like searching on the floor for it and shit. Um, there was another time where this tooth fell out. Uh, we were at this is this one was probably the worst as far as hygiene. Well, second the worst as far as hygienically goes. But we were at a party um, at our friend's loft in Hoboken. And again, very drunk. I went to the bathroom and as I was pissing, it fell out and actually fell into <laughs> the toilet, into the toilet of piss. And I had to, and luckily there was like mouthwash in the bathroom. So I just like, oh, that's I, I like dunked it with the mouthwash and, and then, sh- and every time I had to shove this back in, I had to spike this back into my gums. Wait, you dunked it in the mouthwash? You didn't pour the mouthwash on the tube? No, no, I poured it. Yeah, I poured so it. So you swirled it in the <laughs> No, I didn't, I didn't swirl piss into the mouthwash. I poured some mouthwash on it. And then it got the, the hot water really hot. Um, just to let everybody at home know, I don't have this anymore. I paid a lot of money to have a nice big fancy bridge covered up my gap. It's, it's been a very long time. We're talking early 20s here. Um, the best is when you first got it and it wasn't filed down yet. And you were just all like, shwee. <laughs> Hey, that's well, Sonny. I remember the first time it fell out was in uh, w- w- we were at band practice. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it had to be some kind of singing. Yeah, well, because that was another thing. I was a lead singer of a fucking band. <laughs> so every time you hit a hard note, and yeah, and so what I'm getting at, uh, there there was other time. I'm trying to think if there was any other time. There was a bunch of different times. A lot of singing moments. This thing has fallen out, but there was one time, um where we were playing uh i think we referenced this show before in in dewey beach delaware uh when um you still had the tooth at that moment i did oh yeah. i thought you were already fixed up by that no nah. um if we were playing in dewey beach delaware uh yeah we talked about this because um what was that stupid band that canceled so they got us uh buck Jack. oh yeah i love that cocaine <laughs> i love that cocaine for some reason i keep thinking it's sponge and we sh- but we played with sponge at cmj and it wasn't the same night no, CMJ was in the city and oh, then right, right. we, play, we yeah. opened for Sponge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, <laughs> so, but this was like a big, this ended up being a big deal because there was a bunch of record label people there. I think we told the story where Matt Pinfield was there. He was like hanging yeah. out with us. He was like ushering us around to different record label people. Like, I guess we were being like groomed, we were being looked at. You right, know? right. And um, so we get on stage and we're playing and then we got into one of our like one of our bigger songs like more intense songs and i'm singing and as i'm singing i just see out of my peripheral my tooth just go (laughs) in a fucking rainbow right Uh, like in the air a full arc and then fall and we're only like three songs in the set like we have like a 10 song set and and and, uh i see it fall and then roll into you know a stage which is like the you know it, it, it uh the the stage for anybody who hasn't been on like a rock stage i mean that's probably the dirtiest surface on the face of the planet ever <laughs> yeah. like that black dirty black carpet so i see this thing that i know i'm eventually gonna have to stick back in my mouth roll around in all this fucking shit oh, on this man. stage rock and roll schmegma in the meantime i still have to perform in at least another seven songs so i tr- and i'm I, and i also play guitar so i'm not i'm not just like fucking axel rose in it like ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm fucking playing guitar and singing so i finally like in the middle find a break i see it i clock it i get down i fucking pick it back up i do the rest of the fucking set fucking cletus style missing, <laughs> missing a fucking style. tooth 
and then uh and then everybody left and then at the end of the show i went into the basically the bathroom from train spotting <laughs> and they didn't have they did not have anything there was no antiseptic there was nothing so again i just literally after my tooth rolled in the the gook of a million sweaty fucking metal dudes <laughs> oh, shit took this tooth just ran it under tepid water because because they didn't even have hot water and and then shoved it back into my mouth <laughs> and uh and that that was the story that i was telling you before and you said i should say on the air so yeah thank you for making me say that on the air but yeah. but it, it but it was a uh it was a gross time in my life i can imagine but you know the crazy thing about that was that i used to fucking um I used to uh, worry a lot because sometimes, every once in a while, I would wake up in the morning. Again, normally drunk. Normally after a night of drinking, I would wake up in the morning and it wouldn't be there. And then I would spit it out of my mouth. Really? Yeah. It that only happened a few times. But then after a while, I was like, man, this fucking... Uh, like I could swallow this thing while I'm, and, and then I started having dreams that I actually swallowed my teeth. You really? Know? And to this day, and this, this problem has been fixed for almost... 10 years if not more but to this day i have dreams that my my tooth falls out Damn. and i have to shove it back in <laughs> that's fucked up i meant for that story to be funnier than it was but that's the no, fucking it's truth traumatized isn't that fucking crazy yeah uh yeah i don't know that's grosser than the time that i fucked that vietnamese girl at college <laughs> <laughs> i always thought that was a squirmer Wait, uh, please elaborate on that. <laughs> There's not much to elaborate on. She was half Vietnamese. I was horny, and that's it. <laughs> Did she say, uh, um, "Fucking, oh, me so horny"? <laughs> I wish. Or, uh, no, you know what she did say though. The next morning, sucky, sucky for Tupaki. <laughs> the next morning, she looks at me. And she goes, "I'm not looking for a boyfriend." I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, way to jump the gun there, Gook." <laughs> exactly. You don't hit me with the "I don't want a boyfriend." Who the fuck you think you is? I didn't write you this song. I'm just going to go on record and say that I like Vietnamese people. Yeah, I got no problem with them, but to, to jump the gun and say you don't want a boyfriend thinking I wanted to make that a thing? Hell no, skeezer. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to the Friday edition, which, you know, it's a Friday, so yeah, deal, fucked up. deal with those last 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm about to start playing Love My Way. Of the Awkward Hi-Fi Podcast. If you want to leave a review, go to iTunes and leave a written review. Once we have 100 of those written reviews, we will throw the Awkward Hi-Fi 100 written review party. And a lot of seedy things are going to happen. <laughs> Rich is going to bang a Vietnamese girl. My tooth is going to fall out. He's going to wear women's underwear and dive in his own semen, swallow goldfish. We're going to turn white rice black. Uh-huh. Um, we're gonna do that James Brown thing where I bring a cape out and put it over Richie, and then he throws it off. Yeah, I'm gonna find everybody twenty dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna play my in my 311 cover band. Oh, it's gonna be a goodie. It's gonna Leave be a good those show. reviews. I, I want to witness this. And follow us on Twitter. God damn it, we'll see you in a few couple fucking days. And they'll all get tetanus shots. <laughs> Surrounded by seeds, I'm lost in the trees My thirst and hunger seem to increase The music we made is one to be loved Every time I dream, I end up above Thanks for listening to the Awkward High Five podcast For more episodes, visit awkwardhighfive.com